Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We get in the Sprinter van and Kathy starts screaming about everything. And she's saying things like, I'm going to take down NBC Bravo. I will take down this show single-handedly. I will f***ing ruin you all. What in the holy f***ing hell? I can't even repeat what she said. We get back to Kyle's house and it's just the two of us. And it gets worse. She takes her glasses off. She throws them on the ground. She's jumping up and down breaking her glasses. She's pounding the walls and she's screaming. She made Kyle. Kathy's responsible for Kyle. And she said, I will destroy Kyle and her family. If it's the last thing I ever do. Ah, we have so much to talk about. So light the abundance candles, pour some hot tea and sit tight because I got four pages of notes on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, my Diet Coke in hand, and I'm ready to go because this is the episode that I feel like we've been waiting a lifetime for, the final Aspen episode. Now, all along, we've been thinking that Kathy is Mr. Magoo, and it turns out she's Donald Duck. When I heard the story that Rinna was recounting of them arriving back at Kyle's Aspen house after the club, and Kathy was throwing the glasses on the ground and stomping all around the house, I was like, all I could picture was Donald Duck, because it's not normal behavior. And I actually understand a rage inside. However, I don't know that I've seen a rage come out where you're breaking glasses, okay, your your eyeglasses. Why would you be doing that? I just can't even imagine. And what is she stomping on him with, those shoes that she wore to the airport, those slippers? Because those aren't going to break some glasses. I mean, did she have some heavier heels on? The other shoes that she wore to Aspen were those boots in the snow that don't work for the snow. So what was Kathy stomping on with the glasses? Were they just barefooted, like in the movie Home Alone, when they were just Daniel Stern stepping on the micro machines? Like, what's Kathy stomping on the glasses about? I don't understand that. And then it turns out we find out that it all was started because she was at the club at this caribou club with all the other gals, which there were no cameras up. I have a lot of thoughts on that. But Kathy wanted to do the conga at this club. And Kyle the Splits Richards, her sister, said, no, I'm not doing the conga. And Kathy got pissed because she felt the rhythm of the music getting stronger. She wanted to do the conga. (laughs) And I can only imagine... Her raging out after everyone saying, look, Kath, we're not going to do the conga. Like, it's not 1986. We're not at a wedding. Like, we're not, like, what's next? The electric slide? Like, I just can't even imagine being at any sort of club, let alone like a hip Aspen club that all the celebs go to and Kathy just trying to get a conga line together. I mean, like, what is the logistics of that? And where's the club footage? Couldn't we have reached out to the club owner? I don't know who owns that caribou club. But didn't they have some sort of security footage that we could have seen? Because what the fuck? We had no footage. And I was so pissed because they're all recounting these stories about the club. And then Rena's recounting the story about Kyle's house. And I'm like, what happened there? Why was there not one footage? There was no mics available. And then even the next day when they left Kathy and Splits' Aspen house and they just left her in the basement, I didn't understand how nobody went to Kathy's door and like banged on it so we could at least get like a subtitled shot of Kathy saying, like, I'm not getting on your fucking plane. I wanted to do the conga, and you didn't want to do it, and now I'm pissed. So, like, we didn't get nothing of Kathy. I don't even believe that she was in that room the next morning. Remember that footage we saw of, like, Lips getting her bag together and Splits uh, getting her bag together to go on the private jet back to Beverly Hills? And they were showing the basement, but there was no sights or sound of Kath. And then I also have questions, because it was always reported in the blogs, and forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but I thought that Rick Hilton picked up Kath from the Kyle Aspen house. And now we're finding out that she went to a hotel. It's all very fishy to me. Because also, did you hear Mo? You know, I hated that Mo was on this fucking trip. But then when Mo got on the PJ, he's like, oh, where's Kath? And I was so suspicious of that. Because if Mauricio slept at Kyle's Aspen house that he shares with uh, his wife, why did he not even know that Kathy was raging? Was he not there at two in the morning or something? Was he at the club with everyone else? But then if Kathy was raging on Kyle, 
wouldn't Kyle have at least explained to her husband that night or the next morning, like what was going on with her sister? Like, why was Mauricio on that private jet having seemingly no clue that Kath was stomping around like Donald Duck on her glasses in the basement of the Aspen house? I have so many questions about that. You know, my theory, I think there's some demons in that basement. So I think that maybe Mauricio, this is a sign that Mauricio knows there's some ghosts in that basement house because uh, otherwise he seemed too nonchalant about the fact that Kathy was just sticking around at the house. And then who's locking up? I don't know that I trust Kath to lock up, especially after she had a big problem. So are they just, is Kyle just leaving her house and after Kathy raged on her ass, now she's just leaving Kathy the keys to close up. Like, uh-uh, it's all very fishy. And I swear Kathy was setting, said in an interview that Rick picked her up or something. So they're li- somebody's lying, and I, I don't understand. I also think that maybe she got the footage withheld. I think Kath got legal involved. And I think she said, look, you're not allowed to air any of this stuff. I think they must have had some sort of cell phone, audio, or something and if they didn't, you know, shame on them. Those ca- And I'm not blaming production. I'm blaming the cast members because you know who would have footage is uh, Bethany Frankel. She would have footage of it. Heather Dubrow would have stepped up and turned on the, uh, the camera phone. I mean, come on. No footage at all in the Sprinter van. Why don't we have a GoPro in the Sprinter van in the basement? A microphone somewhere. I mean, come on. I feel like I have my own house, I could have footage of a, someone raging in the basement like fucking Donald Duck after everyone didn't want to do the conga. <laughs> I just love the idea of her at that club just being like, come on, guys, Kyle, we got a conga. Kyle, get in the conga line. And Kyle's like, I'm not getting in the conga line. I bet you if she would have asked Splits to do the splits, she would have done the splits. But it turns out Kath just wanted a conga. And I do believe that. I believe that Kathy raged out. I mean, even Kathy seemed to admit that she was raging out a little bit. I mean, she didn't explicitly say it. But in her confessional, she's like, I don't know what Rena was so upset about. I expressed some feelings to her. (laughs) I think it was more than feelings. But then there were also all these rumors about, like, slurs that Kathy used. And so I think there was more that happened, but they're just not telling us. I don't know what it is exactly. And I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I don't actually believe fully Kathy, and I don't believe fully Rena. I think the truth is out there. And I'm not sure who's got it, but somebody's got it. The truth is out there. Maybe we need to get some sort of ghost whisperer. Can anyone call up Jennifer LaFewitt? Because maybe the ghosts in that basement know what happened. Because I believe there to be a demon in that house. There's some spirits lurking around Kyle's Aspen house. And uh, they took over Kathy. So I'm not even sure that I blame her. And I am one to forgive a lot of rage because you all know that I've defended Dorinda Medley on this podcast for upwards of three plus seasons, despite the fact that she's been expressing severe rage on her programs that she's on, both on The Real House in New York and Ultimate Girls Trip, because I think her rage was ahead of its time. And perhaps Kathy's rage is ahead of its time as well. So uh, look, that might not be a popular opinion, but... She was raging, and she wanted to do the conga line. I mean, don't forget, Kathy was at Studio 54. She was probably a big fixture of the dance halls in the 80s. So the conga line to her is much like all of us, or millennials, doing with Cotton Eye Joe or one of those dances, right? Like, that's what we did at Bar and Bat Mitzvahs. You would do the electric slide. And so Kathy, uh, the conga line is important to her. And so she felt the rhythm of the music getting stronger, and she just wanted to do it. And Kyle should have stepped up and did it. Kim Richards would have congaed like a real sister. She would have congaed like a real sister. Anyway, let's get back to the beginning of this episode, because, oh my God, and we didn't even get into the bamboozled Jane of it all, which I'm kind of like, uh, this isn't going to be popular either, but I kind of like the bamboozled Jane, and I like the Sutton dynamic, the two of them. I'm into that. I'm into that. And I'm also into this like rageful Erica Jane, who just wants to like take everyone else down because she's being taken down. And oh, did you guys see that John Hamm, you know, John Hamm, who famously has a large ham, meaning his penis, he was on Howard Stern talking about the housewives. The two of them watched Beverly Hills Housewives. And John Hamm was like, why doesn't she just fucking give back the earrings? Ah, oh, you guys, when I saw that clip, not only was he so attractive when he was talking about Bamboozle Jane giving back them earrings, but also just the idea that Mr. Hamm is laying on his couch and watching the housewives like the rest of us. Although he did say in that same interview, he doesn't watch he doesn't watch Salt Lake City. And I was pissed at that. You know what? I will not accept that, Mr. Ham. And if you want to lay in my bed, I'll get you to watch Salt Lake. I'll catch you up. It's only three seasons in. By the way, the new season's starting. Got to watch it. But I wonder what 
imagine how awful it'd be to be Erica Jane and like all these A-listers and big celebrities are just coming out and being like, calling you evil, <laughs> calling you an evil villain and calling you to give back your expensive earrings. I mean, it must just be so humiliating, so humiliating. But Erica Jane's going down. She keeps saying in an interview, she's like, I got nothing to lose. I got nothing to lose. You know, she's taking down the cast. Pretty soon she'll be like Kath and trying to take down NBC and Bravo too. I'm going to take down NBC Bravo. I'm going to take down NBC and Bravo. Like, imagine Kathy saying that. I'm so pissed we didn't get... You know that footage where we had, like, Lisa Barlow behind the door when she was calling Meredith her best friend of 10 years a garbage whore? Like, why didn't we get footage like that behind the door? Couldn't they have recreated it somehow? You know those murder documentaries where they just will have actors come in and recreate the scene? Like, I would have been available to go in and recreate. Like, you wouldn't even have to see my face. I just give me the script, everything that Rena said, and I'll be Kathy behind a door. Or honestly, like hire Kim. Kim's a great actress and she's got a, I bet you Kim Richards does the best Kathy impression. She's a, a legendary actress. She knows the players. They should just hire Kim, give her a script and put her behind a door and say, Kim, go at it. Like do whatever you got to do. Like let's see those acting chops. And then we can have on the screen, it could say like dramatic retelling of what happened with Kathy. We wouldn't even have to see Kim's face, but just give her the script that Rena laid out. Or Kyle, I'm sure Kyle could do it either. But if I'm going to pick between actresses, I'm going to pick him. No offense, Kyle, but that's who my vote is. That's who my vote is. Anyway, uh, okay, so should we go back? Okay. So at the beginning of the episode, they were like, let's go back to one bar, one more bar. What could possibly happen? And then it just cuts to the next morning, 10.39 a.m., Lisa's packing. And she's like, I was, deaf in a fo- I was definitely in a fog from what happened. And then she was like, was she doing poppers? <laughs> this is something from my notes. I wrote, Rena was doing poppers. Okay, I know it wasn't poppers, but she was she was definitely sniffing from an aerosol can. Was I the only one who saw that? Like, she was she just doing whippets on camera? I mean, I guess it was an altitude thing. It was some oxygen thing. But in my head, she's just like doing whippets on camera. And it was, she was like, it was a... <laughs> She's like, it was such a stressful night the night before that I needed to do some drugs this morning. And honestly, I support it because it, it was seemed like a stressful night. But here's the other thing that I don't get, you guys. Okay, so Rena was fighting with Kathy that whole day before. Remember when Kath wanted to do her tequila and Rena was like, oh, I got to have my friend Kendall's tequila, 818. And Kath hated that Rena did that. So the fact that Rena left the club with Kath is so suspicious to me because they don't like each other. They never have. And maybe it was just a situation of like Rinna putting on her producer hat and she saw that Kath was raging. So she wanted to be kind of like a part of that rage. But then I'm led to believe that Rinna would have also been smart enough to pull out the camera phone. You know, I even think she would have pulled out the phone and just hit like record on voice notes, you know, something like that. So she could have gotten some audio. But the fact that there was no footage, that's confusing to me. But why would Rinna and Kath be leaving the club together because they hate each other? It's all very confusing. And then Rinna's having this like big belt on the whole episode. She's like, I've never seen anything like this in my life. You know, she's putting on her soap opera hat and she's doing the whippets and telling everyone about how stressful of a night before it was. Then they're all getting ready for getting on this plane. Uh, Erica Jane's like, Aspen does a number on your fillers. You know, she's like all puffy. And then Kyle's like, well, I'm puffy because I was crying. And they're like, what are you crying about? And this was so confusing, too, because Kyle seemed fine. Like, she wasn't really, I didn't get an impression that Kyle was just raged on by her sister. Now, a couple things here. First of all, I think that Kyle's probably been raged on by Kath a million times in her life. So it's probably nothing to her. But the other thing is, uh, there's something fishy. There's just something fishy. And I don't know how to put my finger on it, but I will. My monocle's on, my Angela Lansbury uh, influences are running wild, and I'm going to figure this out if it's the last thing I do, because I have so many questions. You guys, we have so much to talk about. Oh my God, I'm barely a paragraph into my notes. So many notes. We didn't, I, I'm like dying to talk about the chocolate scene of it all. Oh my God, that chocolate. Ugh, you guys, I'm so disgusted by that fake promotion they, they did in this episode. We'll get there. Anyway, so Kathy's hidden in the room as they're all going to the uh, PJ, Kyle says she knows this whole thing will be her fault. And then they just leave Kathy there, which didn't make any sense. Meanwhile, over at room 23 is Diana Jenkins' hotel suite. Everyone's getting their stuff together. They all get to the private plane. Everyone's seeming fine. Chipper even. Chipper even. 
Erica tells Sutton she doesn't want to fight with her. Those two make up and connect. Again, I want them to, I want those two to work it out. I feel like they could be a good dynamic duo. And I need the dynamics to shift on this show. It's been the same for too long. I'm so sick of this one group and then the other group. I need layers. I need dynamics. And I don't even like Erica Jane, but I want her and Sutton to get along together because it'll at least be something interesting for me to watch. Because as it stands, I'm no longer interested in watching this one group of Dorit, Bamboozle, and Splits. By the way, a lot of you were, I I had a lot of people reach out. You know, the show keeps, everything iconic keeps growing. I keep getting new listeners every week. But with new listeners, I think they get confused by the nicknames. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to catch up, Lil Bear, because (laughs) we are we are 18 episodes into the season of Real Houses of Beverly Hills, and I don't have time to go back and provide a dictionary. So uh, we're just going to all have to try our best. But I will try a little bit to explain who the people are. Anyway, uh, Kathy is not on this plane. Mauricio's acting numb about it. Like, where's Kath? And then, I don't know. I mean, Kathy texted and said she's not going to be on the plane. But then none of it makes sense to me. Erica says that she had a breakdown. They all saw at the club. And then there's this one moment on the private plane where Kyle's like, oh, everyone knows because Sutton and I talked about it. And then apparently it's out in the open now. Then Kathy told Sutton, if you don't go home with me at the nightclub, you're not my friend. So this is what was happening at the nightclub. The only person that saw what happened at the house apparently was Lips. Uh, So everyone else just saw how she was acting at the club. But Crystal says she saw commotion, but doesn't think it was that bad. She's like, I've known Kathy for a while, and uh, I don't imagine that she'd be that bad. Diana came back from the bathroom, wonder what she was doing there, and saw her uh, Kathy raging at the gals. Now, Kath told Kyle to leave the club ASAP. Kyle said, no, this is the whole recollection on the PJ of what happened. And then they ran and got in the Sprinter van, and that was the whole takedown Bravo thing. And then on the plane, Kyle reveals that her and Kim, they used to fight a lot, and they would bite each other. So let me just make sure I got that right in my notes. Yep, yep, that's what I wrote. They would bite each other. And I think she even said they would draw blood. When they said this, you guys, I, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine young Kim and Kyle just biting each other and drawing blood and stuff. Like, wh- at what point is Big Kath not stepping in? Like, can't can't she put down the TV dinner and go break up the daughters who are drawing blood from each other? I mean, what is happening there in the Hilton household? I, more questions uh, than I have answers to at this point with those three daughters. The, the daughters, in the words of uh, the Real House of New Jersey. Uh, what was happening with those daughters? Because it seems like it was crazy. They're biting each other, drawing blood. Kath, meanwhile, is doing dentistry work. We've learned that tidbit in the past couple of years. And it's like, what the fuck is that about? I mean, I have so many what the fuck questions about what was happening in the Hilton household. And then uh, they point out this fame thing. Rena says, Kyle's way more famous and way more successful than Kathy has ever been. And she's still holding anger over the agency, American woman. And she says it's been hard for Kathy to have it all and have her sister have more. Now, I didn't really think that, like, Kathy doesn't have as much as Kyle. Am I the only one? Because, like, I always sort of assumed that although Kyle is acting, I mean, yes, she's acting a little bit here and there, but I don't think, like, her extra work on ER is really, like, something that's a threat to Kathy. Do you get what I mean? (laughs) And, like, Kathy's family, I would, I feel like Kathy's family has the upper hand because of the Paris of it all. Whether or not you like Paris, Paris is a a fixture, one of the most famous people in the world, and that's Kathy's daughter. I mean, who's out there talking about Portia and the other ones? I can't even think of Kyle's other daughter's names. Who are those daughters? Now, I think of Kathy as just sort of more successful because of that. And when I think of acting, I think of Kim as more successful. Kyle, maybe in the past couple of years because of the Halloween franchise, but once Michael Myers uh, runs through that town again, they're donezo. I mean, they got one one more movie left. It comes out this October. And I'm certain that nobody's making it through. I don't even think Activia Curtis is going to make it through uh, the next Halloween movie, let alone Splits Richards. Michael Mayers is coming after them all, so it, Halloween ends. That's what it's called. So it's about to end. So what other acting gigs are there? What, are they going to reboot ER and they're going to put her in extra work? I mean, what's happening there? So it, God bless the love. I love her. I'm just saying I sort of thought of Kath as more successful. I don't know. I did. Anyway, then we cut to Sutton and Rena shopping. They're back in Beverly Hills because Crystal uh, – you guys, this is, pains me to say this, but Crystal – is having a great Gatsby party. This is 
I can't do it, you guys. I can't do another Great Gatsby party. And I think I said when the trailer came out that I was excited for another Great Gatsby party, and I lied, because I, now that it was here, and it was the saddest fucking Great Gatsby party I've ever seen. I mean, what the fuck was that, you guys? What the fuck? It was so crazy, because they were all just sitting around. I don't even, they didn't even have cake for a birthday. They just gave out a cookie. And it was like 10 cookies for 10 people, and they got all fucking dressed up in that those outfits. Because uh, Crystal, this is so bizarre. Crystal and Hip Hop Rob, they're like huge 1920s junkies. Okay, they were talking about how the Roaring Twenties was a beautiful era. And I was like, what? <laughs> this is so weird. This is so weird. And we can we just talk about this for at least 45 minutes? Because I really think this was one of the weirdest thing that's happened on this episode was the, the fact that Crystal and Hip Hop Rob, her husband, they're big 1920s stands. Because I've just never heard of this, right? Like, and I'm someone who's a nostalgia junkie. Like, I like to look back on the 90s and the early 2000s, but I don't know that I've ever, like, loved them so much that I would just tell people publicly on a television show that, like, oh, I just really love the Roaring Twenties. Like, what the fuck is that? It's so weird. <laughs> and then I was a little confused about this, and maybe some of you paid more attention to this and uh, understood it, but I sort of got the impression that they designed the basement after the Roaring Twenties. Am I wrong? Wasn't it like a half a million dollars in the basement renovation? And then they ha- they were saying they made it like a speakeasy or something. Did I misunderstand that? Because what the fuck? Like, it's so weird. But it, it's so weird that we just sort of blazed through it because it was like, oh, well, Kathy's storming around like Donald Duck because of the conga line. And so we're not even really processing the fact that they're 1920s junkies. What's what's next? Rich people need to cool it. <laughs> Rich people need less money. Because then when you have that much money, you know, when you make the Lion King and it makes just billions and billions of dollars, then what happens is you just start becoming obsessed with things that aren't even real things to become obsessed with, right? Like you just become obsessed with decades because you just you can buy anything that you want. Like I uh, I like to buy and collect things from toys from McDonald's, let's say, from my youth, right? I like to get that kind of shit on eBay, and I know it's weird, but it's like that's the kind of thing I collect. But rich, really rich people, they just ha- can collect whatever they want. So then they just start loving decades, and we need to defund them. We need to defund the hip-hop robs of the world because I'm sorry. Defund Crystal's house because she shouldn't... <laughs> And then what was that jukebox they spent like 40K on or something? 30K, 40K? And they had to whisper it off screen to read, like, how much for that jukebox? And then when he, she heard 30K, she's like, well, PK, you know, he's going to have to steal some money to buy us one of those because there's no way that they're affording that in that farmhouse. I'm sorry. And when somebody is checking their finances, uh, that's a tale for another time. Allegedly. Anyway, I think we need to, somebody needs to step in and just the roaring 20s. We, the producers too, I believe, should step in. And I actually think the producers probably did say to Crystal, like, we can't have another Roaring Twenties. Like, we've done it at le- upwards of eight times on this show. Like, the amount of times that I've seen a Camille Grammer wearing a, a flapper hat or whatever is just out of control. So I think the producers probably said, we can't do that. And then Crystal's like, well, you don't understand. Like, my husband and I are really into the 1920s. And then the producers are like, oh, that's fucked up and weird. Like, we'll air it then. <laughs> Fine, we'll let you do it. So they did this. Uh, meanwhile, Splits ain't going to be at the party because she's got to go to the Halloween ends. She's shooting the last Halloween party. Uh, she says she prefers being chased by Michael Myers than talking to Sister Kath. And um, yeah, they haven't spoken. Kath went to a hotel and then went back to Los Angeles. I was really focused on Kyle's dogs, who the dogs are adorable. Uh, but she needs to she needs to get a Caesar Milan in there. Somebody needs to whisper to them dogs too, because we need to get a ghost whisper in here. We need Jennifer Love Hewitt, and we need Caesar Milan with this cast next season because those dogs need to be trained. They're just ripping the sweaters, Smokey and uh, Smokey and the Bandit. I don't know what the dogs' names are, but they're running around with all Kyle's wares. And I'm like, did they ever go through a dog training school or something? I mean, aren't they rich enough? Can't Mauricio afford to get a trainer in there? Because I feel like those dogs are just ripping steaks from people's plates, ripping sweaters from the suitcases. And I love that they're the cutest fucking dogs ever. I love them. But they need to be trained. They need to be trained. And Caesar Milan, what's he up to now? I'm sure he could get in there somehow. Anyway, we got to talk. We got to take a break here. And then we're going to come back and talk about this chocolate scene because I have so many 
and thoughts about the chocolate compartes. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. The chocolate. I have so many thoughts. So sit tight. Come back. We'll be right back. Follow me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Uh, Acast, I want to thank them. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like, I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. All right, we're back, girl. Girl? Okay, this Compartes chocolate. I don't, I'm probably not saying that right. You're going to yell at me about my French or I don't even know what is that. Compartes? It's French, right? I don't, I don't fucking care. The point. <laughs> The point is, it's bad. And this is a very LA chocolate company. And you know how I feel about chocolatiers. I think as you become an adult, it's very important to have a chocolatier on your, uh, in your catalog, in your contacts. You need to have a chocolatier because it makes a great gift for people. And I've had this Compartes chocolate and I will eat it if it's in front of me, but I did get pissed because this was very clearly to me a paid advertisement. Because it was like, these two are going to the chocolate company just so that they could get Crystal a gift. I'm not buying it. You're not fooling me, okay? And I don't think this chocolate is all that great. And the fact that we had to sit through another two housewives acting like they're Lucy and Ethel. I, I got news for all you ladies. None of you are Lucy and Ethel. I'm sorry to all the housewives listening to this, but you all think that the minute you pair up and do a duo scene, you're Lucy and Ethel. Lucille Ball is rolling around in her grave here in the... All these women, Dorit, pretend that she's Lucille Ball. Do you think Lucille Ball wants to hear that? No. Ethel, they don't want to hear that. They put in hours and hours on that revolutionary sitcom. And they're known now for every housewife uh, pairing up with another housewife and saying they're Lucy and Ethel. And I feel bad for the writers of I Love Lucy. I feel bad for everyone who put on that show. Because they put a lot of work into crafting those that chocolate episode of I Love Lucy, it's, it is perfectly crafted episode of television. Or the Vitamina Vegemin. I mean, those are classics. Those are pieces of art that we'll be talking about for years to come. My grandkids will be watching the Vitamina Vegemin commercial on YouTube or whatever the fuck the new streaming service is in a hundred years. They will be enjoying it. You know what they will not be enjoying? The scene of Bamboozle Jane and Dorit making chocolates. And I will not fall for it. But I do think it's important to have a chocolatier on record. I personally love this place called Mally's Chocolates in Cleveland, which it's like a sort of, I think like owned by religious people, which is fine. But what makes me laugh about it is that around Easter time, they release, it's so funny. I'll have to post a link. It's Mally's Chocolates, but you can look it up. But around Easter time, they have like Easter chocolates that uh, you can get like a cross, you know, like a... a Catholic cross or whatever. But then they also will have for Easter bunny rabbits riding motorcycles. <laughs> it's so funny, you guys. They're my favorite thing in the world because like you walk into that chocolate store and it's all throughout Northeast Ohio. People from Ohio know Mally's chocolates. But you walk in there in spring and it's just like you can get Jesus Christ on the cross as milk chocolate or you can get two bunny rabbits riding on a Harley as a chocolate form. And it's like, that's what I need. And they have the best. Um, my mom loves their nut mallow or yeah, it's the nut mallow. Oh my God. It's so good. You guys so good. But this Compartis chocolate, a lot of you, times you get it in different things. And I'm sorry, I'm just not a fan. And that's not going to be popular. I, I don't want the Compartis people to come after me, which I know I'm saying it wrong probably, but I don't think it ever tastes good. And those chocolate bars are a hundred fucking dollars. If you ever buy one of them, you could get the Mally's uh, rabbits on a motorcycle for like six bucks for a big ass chocolate bar that's delicious chocolate. But the Compartis, you get it, and they put like fucking flower petals in it. 
It won't even fill you up or satisfy your sweet tooth. And then it's a hundred dollars. And it's like, what is this? It's all, it's, it's again, rich people need to be stopped because it's too much money. And these two trying to do this ad where they're like, what better way wait, to read? It's like, what better way to have fun than make some chocolate? Plus, we need to get a gift for Crystal. And it was like, then they kept saying luxury. They're like, this chocolate is a luxury. It's a reward. My, I don't know what my Dorit accent got into. <laughs> it ain't right. This is not right. I put my BSB on the soundboard. I also put uh, I also put NSYNC on here because I felt like I had to balance it out. And you know what happened to my Dorit accent? It's gone. Baby girl, you Okay, there you go. That's the NSYNC I put on the soundboard. We'll keep it on there for a little while. Anyway, they're talking about this luxury, and they're trying to do the ad. And these two have nowhere near the acting skills of Lucy and Ethel because they keep saying, it's like a reward, it's a luxury, it's a reward, it's a luxury. They're saying the same talking points, and they just kept playing it. I wrote in my notes at this point, I'm exhausted by this season. And, <laughs> and how could they do this to us? Because remember when The Real House is in New York, they watched that Anne Hathaway Rebel Wilson movie in the middle of the episode? And it was like this ad where... Dorinda and Sonia sat down. They were like, I loved that Anne Hathaway movie. Rebel Wilson was so funny. And it was like this big ad in the middle. This was the same thing, although they tried to hide it. And I will not be bamboozled. And look, on the reality show, I know these networks, they got to make the money. And nowadays, it's all about integrated marketing. I get that. But I love when they do like the commercials. There's a new one out with Dorit and Crystal doing the Don't Worry Darling with Sutton. And they're like, Harry Styles is so great, you know, and it's a commercial that airs. I don't like when they're fully integrated into the episode because they act like we're so fucking dumb. Like we're a bunch of dummies watching and we're not going to know that they paid a bunch of money for this. And watch, somebody's going to come tell me, like, oh, they didn't pay anything for that. They just naturally went there. But I won't buy it. I won't buy it. I don't care who says it. I will not buy it. Uh, anyway, Erica's mad at Garcelle for the real. And Dorit sort of stirring the pot. I'm not really liking I think Dorit needs to go. I think she at least needs to be a friend of, what is she offering me? But Kyle's pissed at Dorit, and uh, Erica's pissed at everyone. She's like, I can't be dealing with these chicks who worry about the neighbors and what the neighbors think. Fuck the neighbors. You know, she's being all sinister at the chocolate shop, meanwhile. And she says in her confessional, all sinister, she might as well be holding a cat and just petting it because she was like, I want to say this and let me be very clear. Sometimes those ones who are doing the best are hiding the most. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> What are you talking about? And it, I, the thing that's bothering me about this episode, I loved it. I think it was maybe the best episode of the season. So this is a complaint, but I still have to say it was great. But the problem is I feel like everybody's talking around something. I, In fact, I know they're all talking around something with Kathy. And I know they're saying, like, the rich people have different rules and stuff, but then I want them to just say what they mean and mean what they say, right? Like, it's not just about the conga line. There was obviously more to it, and I think they're all upset how Kathy was the fan favorite of the show, and that weighs on them. I just want them to say all these things outright. And Erica does say, I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being the big boy when others are doing bad behavior. My Erica impression has gotten so crazy, too. <laughs> uh, she says, oh, no, Dorit says the rules are different for the hyper elite. She's part of a family. That has a lot of wealth and connections. You have to think twice if you want to challenge them. Ooh, this is interesting. If It's interesting. And meanwhile, Bamboozle just keeps talking about being the whipping boy. She's like, if you think I'm going to be the fucking whipping boy for this group, you got another thing coming. But she keeps saying the term whipping boy. It was like she just, it was on the word of the day calendar. And she, <laughs> she just keeps saying the whipping boy. But then I also, I'm like, why aren't we confronting Kath? Even at the 1920s party, there was so much opportunity to confront Kath. And nobody said a, a thing. I'm like, what are you all waiting for? What are you waiting for? Confront Kathy. Nothing was happening at that stupid party. She passed out cookies and you stared at each other. I mean, people were yawning. I could literally see people yawning. I'm not sure who did it, but I swear I saw a yawn. And if it wasn't on screen, it was like the vibe of a yawn because that's how that whole scene was so snoozy. Anyway, everyone's getting ready for that party. Sutton has a vintage dress from the 1920s. I feel like bad that it was wasted on this party. So we're all just sitting around. And then uh, Dorit's trying to go to the party. She's tired before she even goes. She tries to get a soda. And then Phoenix like, no, you're not allowed to have a soda. And then Dorit tells the daughter, like, but how am I going to stay awake? You look after your mama so well, but mommy needs a soda. 
Give mommy a soda. And Phoenix like, you're not allowed to have a fucking soda. You know, Phoenix is mother and dread at this point. And I wish Phoenix would just let her mom have a pop. Let her have a pop, although she was reaching for a regular soda. And I do have a problem there, Dorit, because it's Diet Coke or nothing. Okay, Diet Coke drinkers are fun. Regular Coke drinkers, not so fun. I'm sorry, that's the stereotype. But it's how I feel in my soul. I'm drinking a DC right now. DC or bust. And I hope that, I hope that Dorit just didn't have access to a Diet Coke, so she was getting a regular Coke. But the fact that she went after that regular Coke, I was actually happy that Phoenix stepped in. But Phoenix should have said, Mom, you're get a Diet Coke or nothing. I mean, come on. Have some dignity. Have some dignity. And then uh, we see Garcelle getting ready. There was like this weird bit where Cherie wrote the name on the gift for Crystal. It was all very staged. But Garcelle looked great. And Cherie's just flopping hard. <laughs> she's flopping hard. And she's siding with Erica about the earrings. I just don't like Cherie. And the fact that whole thing with the gift just felt so much like Garcelle and Cherie called each other and were like, oh, let's do this bit. Like, I'll tell you to go to my kitchen because I'm getting ready and then write the name and the thing. It was like the only thing Cherie's done this whole episode or this whole season. And I just felt like it was bad acting. Maybe I was wrong, but that's how I felt. Then we see the party. Crystal and Rob are, you know, into the, into the thing. And uh, Diana, you guys, inexplicably, this is something controversial, but I think I didn't hate Diana this episode. That's growth. That's growth. Now, did I like her? Certainly not. Certainly want her off the screen and do not need Diana back next season. That's 100% a fact. However, I also was watching this and I didn't feel the type of Dorinda, Kathy-esque rage that I normally feel when I see Room 23's Diana Jenkins. And perhaps that was because we finally got Asher back on screen. Girl! And Asher's whole outfit, you guys. Can we talk about this? Like He was doing like these shimmy shakes, too, when they were in the photo booth. Uh, Diana, too, when she was walking in the party, she just kept shimmying. She did so much shimmy work. It was like, it was like she had a bug on her shoulders or something. Every time they showed Diana, Room 23 was just shimmying into every scene. It was like the shoulders... <laughs> Go back and watch it again. I swear I saw Diana shimmy a hundred fucking times. And I don't know if she had a rash on the shoulder or something. Maybe some bug leapt on her shoulder. And so she wasn't even trying to shimmy, but she just kept doing it sort of naturally. But something was going on because I've never seen so much shimmy work in my entire life. It was shimmy, shimmy, shake. Shimmy, shimmy. I mean, she was ready to dance. She was probably ready to conga in that moment. Shake your body, baby, do that conga. Then Rinna shows up in the Lydia McLaughlin top hat. <laughs> I mean, remember Lydia McLaughlin from the Real Houses of Orange County? she That's what she looked like in the top hat. And then uh, Erica and Dorit show up. They're like, we went to the chocolatier yesterday. And I was like, yeah, because Bravo made you. It's an ad, and I will not fall for it. I mean, what's next? What's next? They're just going to go Target shopping? I don't know. I don't know. And I do love chocolate. I feel bad. I talk so much shit about the chocolatier. Maybe I just haven't had the good Compartes chocolate, which again, I'm saying wrong, but I feel like it's not that good. And I, I prefer my rabbits on motorcycles. Sorry. So if you're out there, Compartes, maybe you need to step up and do some sort of animal on a motorcycle and then I'll be on board. But as it stands and they do all the weird things, even when Dorit and Eric were making that chocolate, remember they were putting like goji berries and shit in it. I'm sorry. We need to, we need to stop it. We need to stop it. Any chocolatier out there, we're just, we need to get back to basics. Peanut butter, crispy crunchies. That's about it. I don't need you to just throw things in there willy nilly. Not every fruit needs to be chocolate covered. Maybe uh, I don't mind an edible arrangement once a year, but I certainly don't need uh, flower petals and goji berries in my chocolate. It's not, I'm not interested. Throw some peanut butter in there, maybe some nuts, uh, I don't know, a hazelnut a peanut, an almond, something like that. But then we're just throwing anything in there. Like they're going into the cupboard and then they're making it as if it's this big fancy thing for a hundred dollars, $12 for a little chocolate bar filled with flowers. I don't even, I want the flowers for a decoration. I don't need the flowers in my chocolate. Get them out. And a goji berry. I'm sorry. That's some stupid shit. <laughs> I do not need a goji berry in my chocolate. I'm sorry. Get it out. Get it out. Pick it out of there. And that's how they're making it. And Dorit was making it. And she's like, my kids won't like this. It's like, yeah, no shit. Because kids have a, a better palate than rich adults because they just want basic ass chocolate. Maybe this isn't a popular opinion, but this is how I feel. I'm sorry to get so intense about it. 
but it ain't right. It ain't right. It ain't right. So then let's see everyone arriving to the party. And then Rinna says, look, it's nice to be, she's being so dramatic. She's like, it's nice to be here, but it's hard to get past what I went through with Kathy. I'm in shock still, but I'm putting on a brave face because I feel PTSD. (laughs) So Kyle seemed fine. Mauricio seemed fine. Uh, meanwhile, Bamboozle Jane, too, did we talk about her outfit? Diana said she looked like 1920s Maleficent. <laughs> oh, that made me laugh. Maybe that's why I liked Diana Jenkins this episode. Anyway, Kathy arrived, and I thought also the rumor was that Kathy stopped filming. I thought she was gone. Baby girl, yo. She showed right up. She was there. She was. She showed up for filming, and they were putting the music behind her like she was the Loch Ness Monster. Did anyone catch that? Which also, earlier in the episode, I don't think we talked about the music as the gals were talking about what happened at the club. They were playing the murder mystery music, and Sutton was like, oh yeah, then Kathy tried to get us to do the conga. She kept asking everybody to do the conga line. And I don't think anybody wanted to do it. But Kathy doesn't say anything to Rinna. Crystal's basement does look great. I wrote that in my notes. And then Rina says, it's excruciatingly difficult to watch Kathy pretend like nothing happened. It's building in me, and I'm starting to get super uncomfortable. If these women knew what Kathy said about them, they would be pissed off. Okay, so this is where things started to make a little more sense to me, because now we're we're getting into the fact that not only did Kathy have a breakdown at the Aspen house, but she also said a bunch of stuff about the other people. But I need someone to break down for me. What did she say about Dorit? What did she say about Bamboozle? What did she say about Crystal? What did she say about Garcelle? What did, did she even say anything about Cherie? I need to know the answers. Then we get the scene between Bamboozle and Sutton, and they're talking about renovations. Erica talks about the renovation she did for her 1928 house. And, oh, this was so interesting. She drove by the house the other day. She said it was empty. She just sat in the street and didn't get out. She just looked at it. Ugh, you guys, why weren't cameras on that? She just looked at the house, just sitting in the drive. I mean, that was, I, that's haunting. I got goosebumps just saying that. Imagine Erica in a car just outside on the street, just staring at that creepy ass house, that weird house with the chapel. I mean, what the fuck was that house? The decor in that house, I'm sorry. I'd rather have the modern day farmhouse than that decor because that was creepy. There's some demons rolling through that Pasadena home. I'm certain of it. I'm certain of it. But meanwhile, she's telling this whole story about being outside that house in the car, which was so chilling. And then they had a Facetune filter on Erica Jane. Go back and watch because I swear there were certain shots as Erica was talking with that thing on her head. And I swear to you guys, I don't know if they put Vaseline on the lens or if she just, they had a, some sort of filter on her because she was face-tuned. She, and it only sometimes you could see her face-tuned, but like, what was that about? What was that? And then Kathy chimed in and starts asking about her lip. Girl? She just said, what's going on with your lip? She said, do you overdraw it? And she's like, I think I like it. But it, it felt sort of like a, a passive-aggressive insult or something. She's like, what's going on with that lip? What's happened with that lip? And then this whole party was so weird, you guys. This was a Halloween episode. Speaking of splits film and Halloween ends, this felt like a Halloween episode. Like, this is a horror story. I will be watching this for years to come on All Hallows' Eve because this was a chilling episode because Kathy's asking about the lip. And then Crystal's like, I'm going to give a speech. And she's like, I'm 39. And all the gals, like, they self-imploded. Like, everyone was just watching her. And Dreet said something like, fuck you. (laughs) They all basically yelled out, fuck you. Like, they didn't say it outright, but, like, Dorit might as well have said, fuck you. Like, the moment where Crystal's like, thank you all for being at my 39th birthday, Dorit was ready to rage. Like, she was ready to throw some glasses on the floor and start stomping around like Kathy did. (laughs) They all were. When they found out Crystal was turning 39 years old, (laughs) they were all all livid. Livid. I've never seen the gals more upset. In my entire life. Like, go back, rewind it, and watch the tape. Their faces, their eyes, they even slowed down the music and everything, and they edited it funny because Dorit was, she was fuming inside. She was Donald Ducking because she couldn't believe that she's 39. And I think she said, like, fuck you. She didn't say that outright, but she said, it was the vibe. Anyway, meanwhile, Asher girl is sitting there does he have a new mustache or did i just never notice the mustache before because i was thinking did he grow a mustache for crystal's 1920s party like where did that stash come from because i've never seen it i've certainly never seen it and it just showed up 
And it was shocking to my eyes and my ear, everything. I didn't understand that mustache of Asher's, but it's there. Meanwhile, Rena's just leaving. She's ghosting the whole party. She's doing an Irish goodbye. She says to Crystal, I love you. I need to go home. I'm really upset after what happened in Aspen. I can't sit here any longer. I feel like I've seen the devil and her name is Kathy Hilton. And Crystal's like, uh, was it really that bad? <laughs> Crystal's like, I don't get what everyone's freaking out about. And Rinna's like, yeah, it was really that bad. So Rinna just leaves. And I feel like we're talking around what Kathy said. And then Crystal comes downstairs and nothing was happening at that party. So I was pissed at Crystal then because she rejoins the party and she's like, Rinna left. And they're like, but she didn't even say bye. Why didn't Rinna say goodbye to anybody? And Crystal's like, well, she's upset about Aspen. But I was pissed at Crystal because this was such a good opportunity to be like, oh, Rinna's pissed about Kathy's rage and Aspen. And then they all could have talked about it. Instead, no one, Crystal didn't say anything about Kathy. And it was so awkward. And then we get into this fight between Erica and Garcelle because Erica's like, I would have loved a heads up about the real. And then she's like, I thought, I thought we had a nice time at Aspen. And I wrote in my notes like, what? Like, you thought they had, what? Excuse me? Huh? Like, what? You thought that that was a nice time in Aspen. What? Who has gone on a vacation like the one they went on in Aspen and then the next day thought, oh, that was a nice time? Because what I remember was Erica Jane yelling at everyone that they were, see you next Tuesday. She's leaving the house. And she's like, sight it. Ah, you fucking idiots. You knew she was storming out of that house. And uh, now I'm led to believe that they had a nice time. However, that said, I do think that actually Garcelle was in the wrong here. Because although they made up, I do believe that Garcelle should have told her, right? They were all fighting in Aspen. Garcelle should have been like, yeah, I talked about it on the reel. Or she could have pulled her aside. I just felt like Garcelle then got very uh, defensive about it. She's like, that's my job. But then I sort of thought like, well, it's also your job to tell your castmate on this show. The part of the whole thing about this show is that you're exploring these friendship dynamics and and also being honest and open and talking through issues and stuff like that. And so I thought, oh, it's also part of your job on Beverly Hills Housewives to confront each other. And I felt like that's something you should have confronted Erica about and said, hey, we talked about you on my other gig. So I don't know. I was, I was on Erica's side on that one. Sorry. Plus one for bamboozle. Plus one for bamboozle. It's not probably going to happen again. Anyway, Kathy doesn't feel like Rina left because of what happened in Aspen. Kathy says in her confessional, Rena was a sweetheart. She listened and I got no indication she was upset. But if I was the one, she says, if I was the toe that broke the camel's back, I apologize. I don't want to upset anyone. Okay, now this, okay. I think that Kathy now, this is where I truly believe that Kathy is playing all these games. And I feel like she's trying to bamboozle us and she's trying to trick us. But I'm not falling for it because I could see through Kathy in this moment when she was trying to do her mal, what is it, malapropism or what's the, she was trying to do one of them jokes like the who's hunky dory. And she was trying to do that in her confessional with, if I was the toe that broke the camel's back, because it's the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know if you know that, but I think that Kathy was trying to do one of them to take a pressure off her about what happened in Aspen. I wasn't falling for it. She's playing games and it ain't right. This is not right. It ain't right. It ain't right, Kathy. I've had too much caffeine. I'm going to put the Diet Coke away as soon as we're done here. Anyway, we cut to Erica and Diana. They go into a separate room and they call Rinna. Rinna doesn't even answer, which is actually also very confusing to me. And maybe I think this is why I'm thrown off this episode, because no one's acting how I think they're supposed to act. It's like a bizarro world or uncanny valley. I feel like I'm watching the Polar Express. It's like people are acting like humans, sort of, but not fully. You know when you watch the Polar Express with Tom Hanks and you're like, that's sort of how humans move, but... (laughs) But not really. Like, that's how I feel like the episode of Beverly Hills was. Because I was like, okay, Rinna would normally answer that phone call if it was on camera, for sure. And she didn't answer. So then Erica says that Rinna's mad because she feels like behavior will be swept under the rug. Then Room 23 says Kath went nuts. And then Erica starts reading the text that she was getting about the play-by-play from Rinna. And Lips said, uh, was texting her as everything was happening. And then Erica says, I said ugly things myself. The problem is everyone's quick to condemn my behavior. But if we're going to talk about Erica's behavior, we're going to talk about Erica's behavior. We're going to have to talk about everyone in that group. And she's just so happy that somebody else is in the hot seat. You know, she is. 
And I think they're playing it up too. Bamboozle is playing this whole thing up because she don't want to be in the hot seat no more, right? So she, I don't even know if what Kathy did was all that awful. Maybe it wasn't in Aspen, but of course they're playing up because Erica don't want to be talking about Erica no more. She's tired of talking about them earrings that everybody thinks she should give back and (laughs) that John Hamm thinks she needs to give back. She's ready to take down Kath. And Kath, meanwhile, is ready to take down Bravo. I'm going to take down NBC Bravo. And by the way, I'm going to take down NBC and Bravo if they don't start putting them GoPros up at the cast trips. I said it, I think, last week. Or we, need to, we need to stop. I'm going to take them down like the Bedores. I'm going to take them down. We need the GoPros up. I love you, NBC Bravo, but we need to get the GoPros up. Anyway, the 1920 parties, they're all yawning, and then they just sort of leave. It was so weird. Diana says that Kathy was raging was the word that she used. So there are these words that they're throwing out. We've heard meltdown. We've heard rage. We've heard wrath, I think. Uh, Erica said Lisa saw the sprinter van wrath and the home wrath. And so these words that they're using are also feeling a little vague to me. But what was even more vague was this party. I felt bad for those people that worked at this 1920s party. They were just serving drinks. And you know, it was COVID times, but these parties are being so weird. Like, it's, I'm praying that going forward, we could just have crowds because it's weird to be at a party where they're all dressed to the nines in a costume but then they sit down there's no dancing there's no nothing like there was nothing happening at this party couldn't they have planned a game or something uh, pin the tail on the donkey or a hot potato or something i don't care if you got to do a kid's game there should have been some activity at this party instead the only thing that we got was crystal passing out cookies with people's names on them and by the way i will say those cookies look good they look good and you know where they probably weren't from compartes I'm sorry, Compartes, but uh, you need to cool it. You need to be defended. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We. I'm sure I just haven't had the good chocolates from there. I don't want to. I don't want to talk poorly about a business, especially a chocolatier. But maybe I just need to try better chocolates from them. I don't know, but I certainly know they're not O'Malley's chocolates, and I certainly know they don't sell things like rabbits on motorcycles. Ladies, am I right? Anyway, then Diana says that Lisa's. Okay, so this was. This was funny. Diana says that Lisa's being a chicken. Reno is being a chicken for leaving the 1920s party. And then she starts doing quack, quack, Lisa. And and Erica Jane, <laughs> go look at Erica Jane's face. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? This is when I feel like Bamboozle will start and turn on Diana Jenkins. Because she's like, who the fuck are you? What the fuck are you doing? Why are you quacking like a duck? She's like, you mean a chicken? Like Erica's so, she's like, what the fuck? And what the fuck? What the fuck? I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And then Erica says, I'm going to tell you why I think Lisa Rinna left. She took Kathy home and it got worse in the Sprinter and at Kyle's house. And Dorit says, it's not the Kathy I've seen before. 
And then Erica says, be careful of those who have a lot to protect. I have nothing to protect anymore. So she's not afraid of Kath. And she says, this game turns on everyone. So it's your turn now. And what Erica is saying is that in the show, in the world of the Real Housewives, everyone has a bad season, right? They have a roller coaster ride. Sometimes you like them, sometimes you hate them, but that's what the show does. That's the machine of the show. No one's going to get out unscathed. And I believe with Erica with this one. I believe, I hear, look at me. I'm surprised I've been on Bamboozle's side this whole episode, somehow inexplicably. But she's right because no one, best housewives, you think of some of the all-star housewives, they've all had a bad season because Bravo wants them to have a bad season. They want the viewer to turn on them. That's what makes us tune in and that's what makes us question our alliances and that what keeps us engaged with the show and with the characters. And I think sometimes people have their rider dies, but I think the fun of the show is that we turn on people and we love people the next season then hate them the next season. And that's the game of this show. And so sometimes when I see, even on any social media and stuff like that, when people have their favorites, I understand one or two. You're, you might have a little blind loyalty to, but I think part of what we're, we should be doing and part of what's fun as fans is that we're going to go on this roller coaster ride. And so that's a reminder to myself too. It's like, I think sometimes we have to just breathe that in, breathe that Breathe that baby in because sometimes we're going to want them and love them. And then other times we're going to want them gone. Baby girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a couple years later, you hear the name Eden Sassoon. And you're like, who? And that's the whole game of the show. Game of the show. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Dorit says Kyle will take the brunt of all of Kathy's wrath. And I believe so. And I can't wait to watch that. I'm excited to watch it play out. Next week on the show, we get a pretty mess hair launch. We get... Sir Elton John shows up um, via FaceTime. Then we have the Kyle and Kath sit down with Rinna. And she says, why do you think I have, uh, why do you have a black heart? Rinna says to Kathy. She says, I'm sorry, Kath, you're not going to get away with that. And what's so fascinating about this scene is that I need to know the logistics because, okay, I think, and we'll see next week, but I think Kyle and Kathy had a scene planned. And then at the last minute, producers like, hey, Rena, will you get there? Because if you go back and look at that preview, she didn't have hair and makeup. And she lo- the hair is wild. You know, it's, the hair is running wild. Lips is just showed up. She barely even threw a comb through that hair of hers because she just showed up, no makeup, no hair. And she's just ready to take Kathy down. She's ready to in that scene. And I, so I don't think that was on the call sheet. I don't think Rena was supposed to be in that scene, but she was you know, driving past Splitz's house. And lips showed up unexpected with no hair and makeup because that sit down, I don't even know what the outfit she's wearing, but it's it's shocking because normally Rinna, especially lately, I feel like Rinna's looks, given us so many looks with the hair and everything. And in that preview coming attraction, I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, she just showed up willy-nilly, just popped on in and said, hey, I'm here. Anyway, that's the end. That's the end of the episode, you guys. So good. Beverly Hills finally giving us something, finally clocking into work. But I still have questions. I still have complaints. I need to know. I need this to be worked out. I need to know the specifics about what Kathy said. I need Kathy to explain her side of the story. And I need to know what she said about other people. I just feel like I have more questions than answers. And I am a little bit frustrated because they ended on that to be continued. But I feel like we never got full clarity on what happened. Other than the specific of the conga line and the glasses, I feel like... I don't know what Kathy said when she got home from that house. I know that she raged about Kyle, but I'm, I don't know. I guess Rena did sort of say she's going to take down the whole Kyle family. I just still, I think I just have a feeling and maybe it's because in the press and everything, it was said there were all the blog posts and everything. It seemed like something else was happening there, but I don't know. I still have so many questions. So many questions. I'm going to have to watch what happens live and turn to bravotv.com for more information. Anyway, I loved it. Thank you to Bravo. Thank you to Andy. Thank you to Bravo. Thank you for giving us something because we needed it. We deserved it. We have quite frankly earned it because we went through this whole flop season and nothing was really happening. So finally we're getting an Aspen and getting us something because we earned it. So I don't I feel like we earned it. I love you all so much for listening. Shall we do our cheesy little cool down? Let's take a deep breath in. Let's hold it, baby. Let's hold it, baby cakes. I don't know why I keep wanting to call you baby <laughs> baby cakes. Breathe out. Did I tell you to breathe out? I've really had too much caffeine today. I don't even think it's the caffeine. I think it was just energized from this episode. When they give us a good episode, I'm ready to clock into work, too. Uh, anyway, um, that's the end. Baby girl, you're gone. Baby girl, you're gone. 
Love you all so much for listening. We will be back on Sunday. I have a great interview coming up for the episode that will be out late Sunday night, early Monday morning. So be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to Everything Iconic. It's the best way for you to get episodes, and it really is helpful to me. So if you're someone who watch or listens to Everything Iconic regularly, please take a moment to just go to whatever platform you're listening and click that subscribe or follow button because it's so super helpful for for me and people discovering the show and i thank you all for doing that also on the everything iconic patreon you can get bonus episodes if you want to hear me recap sex in the city i'm currently on season two you could get those recaps for four dollars or more per month at patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash everything iconic and i do just one a month more importantly the money uh, that you pledge over there helps to support this show Uh, You can also support the show by getting my book, and we have signed copies of my book available at everythingiconic.store, and it means the world to me that you are all so uh, wonderful. I love you all. Stay safe. Bye-bye.